This is a global original podcast. Hi and welcome to Confessions of a Modern Parent. The podcast where my husband Mark and I discuss the challenges, difficulties, frustrations and ultimately the joys of being parents and step-parents to four wonderful, talented, beautiful daughters aged between 25 and 12. Another day in lockdown. <laughs> or are we in lockdown? I don't know. Is, are we in lockdown or is day it no longer lockdown? Day 475,000. <laughs> we've stayed home. We're now staying alert. Stay alive. We're staying Stay alive. Sane. Staying alert. Staying at home. Uh, and so are our teens. God love them. Yeah. So, yesterday we, 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 we got, yeah, yet again moved by yes. the power of those voice notes from those, those yeah, teams. Absolutely. So we'll, yeah, really we're, we're going to have a chat today about what the easing of lockdown means, what the new normal could be, and what our teens' fears and worries and hopes might be for mm. the future. Mm. Let's get on with it. Hello and welcome to Comfort. Confessions? <laughs> Confessions. No, what you, what you were going to say was welcome to a confined space with my husband. That's really what this is. Yes, that's been quite a well, while. It's been a confined space, isn't it? We're recording in a cupboard. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, are we doing coronavirus again? Yes. Oh, right. Okay. What a surprise. Well, yes, because as we all know, it is. We, we can't remember what we talked about before, but it's a good one this Brexit. week. <laughs> yeah, it's a really good one this week because we've got a lot of input from both. Maddie, our 17-year-old daughter, and our friend Lisa's son, Carlitos, who is 16. And we don't know what they've said. We just said, please record a voice note um, answering what are your fears, worries and hopes post-lockdown. Yeah, and I think it's important Um, that we we have that as the subject because we are now, what, week seven, eight, nine, ten in um, all the conversation we discussed this last week is about the potential for schools going back, and you know, first, you know, first parents will have been going back to work, you know, in manufacturing and construction. Um, so, you know, there is a distinct sense I feel of an easing, though it's also coupled with, a, I think, a ratcheting up of fear as well and worry, mm-hmm. not just about I think a second peak and a second bump and all that kind of stuff, which is obvious but also about the ways in which we conduct ourselves and re-enter a jangly world, mm. don't you think? Yeah. And I think, you know, this is about parenting, so I'm really keen to sort of hear what, what their takes are on things, because on the one hand, it's that's my stomach, I'm sorry, guys. On the one hand, we can all talk about how awful the disease is, and we can all talk about how worrying that is, we can all talk about what do we do if there is a vaccine, isn't a vaccine, and all that. And we've entertained all those thoughts. But there is going to be at some point necessarily because we're humans a new social normal Mm. and you know what is that i mean i keep sitting there racking my brains and and it's funny because i have almost a disregard for what it means for me personally because we've lived a life we can make those sacrifices but for youngsters it's a completely different game isn't it i know i mean we we're very lucky in that we've had we've had a lot of fun we've traveled yeah. We've done so many things and we've fulfilled a lot of our dreams. Absolutely. And, yeah. Travelled the world. Donald. I mean, you were, we were looking at some photos early this morning just for some of the project. And, Nadia, you were you found some photos of our holiday in Kefalonia. And you, you said a sentence that really haunted me or has done since. I don't look haunted. I just look like I've spilled my coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, and you said, at least Kiki's been to Greece. Because I don't think we'll get to go again. 
Well, I mean, well, interestingly, we'll talk about that because I've been looking into how some of the kind of holiday firms, because, you know, in a weird way, you could argue that the reason we're walking into, that we're stepping into dangerous territory is because the economy has to be kicked back into action. Mm. The economy being, being kicked back, in, back into action necessitates certain manoeuvres around schooling. All of those manoeuvres around schooling necessitate impacts on parents. Parents, obviously, are the workers in the economy, so we're fueling the economy. And the hope and the feeling is obviously that all those companies and all those jobs and all those industries that, yes, you know, to us right now, we think, how can holidays ever happen? Well, I think to holiday firms, that's the last thing they're thinking. They're thinking, how can we make them happen? Mm. So we've got to recognise that, yes, we might think it's doomsday, but in a weird way, the economic impetus and need to sustain all these companies could be the driving force for finding solutions. In a weird but the way. point is, is that we're thinking like that. So our children Precisely. will be thinking like yeah. that. I'm thinking of all Maddie's friends who are they going to have a gap year? Are they going to go to uni? Yeah. A gap year would be about traveling. Absolutely. Wouldn't it? I mean, even oh, if not absolutely. abroad, traveling in your own country. So, yeah. I mean, all their hopes and dreams well, at the moment are What about interrailing, for example? Interrailing was the, yeah. was the thing all of my, my youth, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, just getting your first job in a cafe or yeah. a pub. Yeah. Well, and also I think one of the major things, I mean, I was reading reports uh, over the last couple of days, there's major, major concerns for a specific demographic. And even Izzy is beyond this because she has a That's job. That's eldest. Yeah, she's 20, mid-20s, 25, 26. But, you know, she's got a job. Okay, she's been furloughed. She's got her own worries, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, you know, she she's negotiating whether she keeps that job or not. The, peop- the generation I'm feeling for is, you know, your nephew, Finley, and uh, second mm. eldest, Fleur, who's coming out of university. Yeah. So their, their university education's just... Stopped stop, dead. Stopped dead. They've been told, well, whatever you were getting, you're going to kind of get that. So they kind of know what they're getting. So the, the, the magic stress and the kind of rites of passageness of an end of degree has gone. Gone. There's no graduation ceremony. Millions gone. of jobs in catering and all of that have gone. Absolutely. But the weird thing is, is that the vast majority of kids, however highly qualified they come out of university, the only work that sustains them like grout between tiles is hospitality work, know. restaurant work, bar work. God, and at the moment, there seems to be no prospect of that in the short term. And even when I think it bounces back, my bigger concern is less that, you know, because people will always say, oh, yeah, but they're going to reopen. Oh, yeah, yeah, all these things are going to happen. But with vastly reduced capacity, yeah. which means vastly it's reduced, reduced staff, jobs. you know. Yeah. And, and so... I'm you... just thinking back to those first jobs I had. Yeah. You know, ushering in the theatre, rest waitressing. They were some of the happiest times of my life. Yeah. First, really earning your own oh, money. Absolutely. Being responsible for yourself. Yeah. And now, I mean, it's hard enough. It was hard enough in this country beforehand for people to think about moving away from their parents mm. because everything is so expensive, rent, food, everything is so expensive in this country. Heading towards a recession as well. Yeah. I mean, there's no hope of anyone moving out. I've got a real concern. I mean, I've got a real concern. If you think about festivals and if you think about nightclubs, now I know, I think in Belgium, they reopened some nightclubs and they had a major problem, or was it Singapore maybe actually? But there was a major super spreader incident happened very quickly with the nightclub. If you think about nightclubs now, the thing about nightclubs, which we don't realise, which is why festivals have become such a hit and sort of impromptu, what they called uh, events that the girls do, what they call, Yeah, what does Maddie call them when they all meet at friends' house oh, and they're um, not parties? Oh, motive. Motive. Um, is nightclubs are fucking expensive. I mean, they're stupidly yeah. expensive to get in and the beers yeah. and drinks are stupidly... So a lot of kids don't actually go. They go to these sort of places like in Brixton, you know, bars slash mm. kind of clubs. 
But if you think that all those sorts of places are going to be unable to open because nightclubs are the worst type of environment yeah. for this virus. Sweating, drunk, yeah, spitting, where are talking kids gonna close, go? shouting into yeah. each other's ears. So I envisage, I was the generation of illegal raves, you know, where you jump in the car, head off on a motorway. That's what's head out happen again. Yeah, but they're going to be, Ill- the illegality of them isn't going to be around whether you should be playing that sort of music at that volume. <laughs> you can stand close stand to, each to each other. Oh, my God. It's going to be bizarre, God. isn't it? Anyway, well, we thought we should oh, listen to the kids. Wow, wow, guys, wow! It's yeah. so much, isn't it? It's just such a puzzle. Yeah, you turn. It's like trying to nail jelly to the wall. Absolutely, trying to actually think about. And how I life try that a be. lot. I like doing that because <laughs> I, I often think I can, but you can't. This is why, as soon as you start to talk about it, it's but it's important to it. I've seen your to. energy level. Your face has just fallen since we've started talking. I'm just thinking about. And, you know, the thing about this podcast is this is a safe... I know a lot of people will say, never mind what young people think, it's difficult for all of us, but I really like the fact that this is just designated to the parents, uh, the parents' and uh, emotions and the young people's emotions around this, because it's really... Well, teens and tweens. They're the future. Well, they are the the future. future. We can't just put them on ice, put them on the back burner and just just hope that we'll just come out of this at the end of it and they'll just be there fully rounded ready human beings there is an impact on our teens and i do think it's important that we stress with our 12 year old as well who's a you know she made a big point this it's a big year for us as a family and nanny die is going to be 70 i'm going to be 50 oh christ uh maddie's 18 but kiki incidentally i mean and we must pay attention to this for her it's a major year this year but she becomes an official Teenage, teenager. even though she was a teenager about yeah. four years ago. And we were saying only yesterday, we, you know, Kiki's a very sort of advanced for her age uh, in terms of, you know, she, she, her interests, her kind of concerns and all that kind of stuff are way beyond sort of a 12-year-old should be, really. Um, and in many regards, we really need to be attending to those tweens mm. as well because they're looking, they're, they're coming up rapidly behind I do worry about the 16, her because she keeps saying she's fine and what is it, false yeah. information, nicely expressed. Exactly. And I, and I worry that, and, and I suppose for us, it's quite handy that she keeps saying she's fine because we've got so much on our plate. Yeah. And I just worry about the benign neglect that could come in there yeah. because actually we're attending to everything else. Yes. And more worried probably about Maddie because she's 17. But yeah. what's going on in our 13-year-old's Absolutely. Head, you know, that she's not yeah. talking to us about. Because if you think about Kiki, she's very much that sort of child like, oh, I'm all right. Oh, da-da-da. Oh, don't. She doesn't like to ask for stuff. She's just... she's. Very... Well, she, she presents that difficulty for all parents of how far do you keep pressing the... Yeah. And, and, and because off... maybe she is fine. Yeah, exactly. But, you do, but, but we don't know she's fine. No, we can't exactly. know that. And she, uh, this is still all around her as much as it is all around all the rest of us. And I'm getting an increasing unease about that mm. it's like mm. and also there's that other sort of curate's egg of a, of a dilemma as a parent isn't there where you can ask your child you can sense that there's something up with your child you can ask them about it they they potentially open up a little bit about it you go into what i Overdrive. my analogy is kind of like a, a swat squad that comes in and seals all exits makes the place safe and everything they think don't want that yeah, shit I'm never again gonna never gonna mention again. it again absolutely yeah. so You've got to kind of guard so against hard. and manage. Can I just have a moment of going? Yeah, so go for fucking it. hard being a parent. <laughs> Jesus H Christ! Nobody warns you how complicated it is. They talk about the teething, they talk about the feeding, they talk about the sleeping, but they don't talk about the older they get, the more complex it gets. Do you want to let go of my neck now? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have lots of worries, as you know. I mean, I have about agoraphobia, about OCD. 
my agoraphobia is, and I'm not using that word lightly because no. it's a serious mental no, condition, absolutely. but I can see agoraphobic traits. And the thing is, I could easily dismiss them, but they're there, they're bubbling, I recognise it and I have to be mindful of it. I'm now in a stage where I won't walk out here, out of this house on my own. Well, we had a... So we had... What's, how's that going to affect the kids? Yeah. Um, the other night, we were cleaning the, the shopping um, so out of character this is. I mean, I have never been a neat freak. I've never been a clean freak. No, I know I that. Just... I can testify to that. <laughs> and yet, ever since um, coronavirus, we wash all the shopping. We wash everything that comes in. And I've read the research. I've read the. I've read the days and how long this. I've read all about how long the virus can last on paper, on plastic, and we've made that decision mm. as as a to be extra cautious. Absolutely, yeah, but a it's household. a caution that yeah. we believe is 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 right to take. But that doesn't happen without consequences. And the no. other night when I was washing the shopping, so I, you unpack, I wash, the girls put away. And Maddie suddenly went, oh, mum, I've picked up the one that you've washed and I've put it on one that hasn't been washed. And I just had this like moment where I was just like, oh, my God, what are we becoming? Yeah. What? Where is this going in their little heads? Yeah. Are we going to come out of this and we're going to have children with OCD, with, with OCD traits, agoraphobic traits? I'm not talking about the whole oh, picture. Oh, I think it's going to absolutely mushroom. And I'm mushroom. very, very worried about that because I'm their mum yeah. and I'm doing it yeah. and they're picking it up from me. Do you know, you know, one of the other things that I keep thinking about, because we know as a, by and large as a nation, you know, alcohol consumption is going up. Of course, there's all the worries. We've talked about them a lot on our social media platforms, me being a recovering alcoholic, about the, you know, the implications of that on the drinker. I'm really worried about the number of children seeing adults using yeah. alcohol to medicate. I know. And on a sub sub conscious level that becoming a message of that's how you cope with the crisis mm. it might not even i'm not talking about kids picking up drinking or drinking covertly or anything like that but i, I am thinking that there's going to be a subliminal message going out to mm. a lot of youngsters now that parents in a crisis deal with this with alcohol the, the other actually point, can we just have yeah. a little moment we knock ourselves a lot for parenting can we just have a little moment where i think what we've what we're doing in lockdown has been really good on the, come on, let's go out for a walk, we're feeling stressed. Yeah. Come on, let's go out, don't we all feel better? And yesterday, the first time when we, you said, oh, maybe we don't need to go to, for a walk. And the first time Maddie went, no, no, let's go. Oh, absolutely. And she has never, ever said that. Oh, absolutely. No, so I this is a, a really success. rich opportunity to actually, for parents to say, oh, God, feeling overwhelmed, yeah. let's go out for a walk. And then you're teaching them that. You're giving that yeah. right into the future. Yeah. You can have a drink when you're happy. Yeah. And you can, and it's nice to have a little bit of a drink and have a bit more of a happy moment. But don't ever use it when you're sad or you're stressed because that's the road to hell. I would also say that it's the same, by, the, by extension, it's the same sort of concept behind saying, let's do some drawing or let's do something creative. Let's do something, you know, inventive. Yeah, or, and know, I or, think that's a really good yeah. tip to parents to yeah. say, it rather than getting irritated with your child or your partner right. you say do you know what i'm actually can feel myself getting really cross and irritable and moody i'm going to sit down and draw or i'm going to go for a walk or mm. i'm going to and you just subliminally feed them that yeah. can i share i just want to share another another sort of anecdote like yeah. yours regarding the cleaning of washing because it struck me as as it, it affected me and um, we were having dinner the other night and we were all talking and I know for a fact, as we all know, you just have to look at the statistics that bus drivers, etc., are one of the highest risk categories. 
buses themselves are deeply um, petri dish, dangerous places, potentially, well, not potentially, actually, uh, to travel. And I'm, I sort of made a, a slightly flippant comment to the girls about, oh, you won't be getting a bus again. No, you said you'll, ne- you'll never. never. Well, the never was for as long as we can prevent them having to get a bus, we will prevent them getting a bus. That wasn't, but it was weird because the conversation then sort of dissipated with, well, you can't say that, da-da-da-da. And I was actually saying that because that's the extent to which I think life is going to change. Mm, But why I reacted really strongly to that is that's not a good thing for the kids to hear for the foreseeable future. Because if you say to them never, you were saying to them, don't even have pinholes of light about being free. Just around buses. Just no, around no, buses. I, I really disagree with cycle, saying that to You can cycle, you can walk, you can get a car, you can trains will be able to enact social we distancing. We might have a vaccine next year. I think you can't well, take away course, their hope. You really with, can't. With that. But, but, okay, forgetting the rights and wrongs of that, I stand by what I felt, felt when I said that. It reminded me of the extent to which we are all differently and justifiably mm. thinking about how different Life, life will, will be, be after lockdown, after lockdown mm-hmm. or as lockdown eases. Because let's 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 clarify this: lockdown ain't going to finish. No, there's not going to be a moment where we all go, oh, lockdowns. No. We've come out of lockdown. We're going to eke out. We're going to stick our nose yeah. out. We're gonna, they're going to bring us back. We're going to go out. We're going to bring us back. The social distancing. Yeah. Do you remember right at the beginning when they were saying social distancing could go on for the next couple of years, absolutely. and we were all like, absolutely. we were so insane. Yeah, but absolutely. we're there. That's yeah, yeah. what it's going to be like. Okay. Well, what do you make of a statement like Boris's when he says there may not even be a vaccine? What do you do with that information as I think a parent? He, well, I think he has to... I've looked at that now and I think he has to say that because he has to cover himself because there are no guarantees. Everyone who is working on a virus and close, and that's Oxford University, Cambridge University, very well-established um, laboratories across the country are saying 80%. Mm. Nobody is saying 100%, so he has to say that. Mm. So mm. I think we'll get to viral drugs, antiviral drugs, before we get to... Mm the vaccine myself. treatment i think yeah. treatment, treatment will work treatment will work right let's hear from the kids we've talked enough yeah yeah absolutely. let's listen let's to it. carlitos and as i said the question i asked him to answer was what are your hopes fears and worries post lockdown i'm a little bit worried for life after lockdown because i feel like people might not be very affectionate as affectionate as they was before um for example like giving people hugs or giving people kisses or whatever i feel like no one's going to be doing that for a, a very long time. I feel like it's going to be a very slow process. Um, the wind down from sudden get in your homes, get in, get inside, don't talk to anyone, don't socialise. You might catch this disease and it might kill you. To Oh, you can go and hug people and you can go and kiss people. I feel like people won't want to be doing that um, so fast. I feel like it'll be a very long time. But... Um, that I feel like people will still be worried that their family might could still get ill and there'll always be that fear of getting ill when everything's fine. Um but I do I do hope that people will be more considerate and appreciate things that happen to them and be nicer to their loved ones because we've I think we've all taken the gift of socialising for granted. Um and I think people will not appreciate materialistic things as much as they did. I feel like people will just appreciate, you know, a phone call or a FaceTime or things like that. I feel like that will really mean a lot to someone. But, um, yeah, or even just going out for lunch or something, I feel like that's just, that would really mean a lot to someone. 
But um, I feel like the wind down from lockdown into normality will be very stressful for people as well, because even in the shops, it's just like you you can only go a certain way. Um, you can only there's only like two in an aisle and then there's big, big glass um, structures by the tills and you can't do this and you can't do that. And I feel like that is already stressful for some people. So I feel like the wind down might be stressful as well. Um, but I do, I do have to mention this. I was watching a show recently and um, people, they weren't, they were close to each other and these people were all kissing and hugging and whatever. But um, and greeting each other. But I, I was thinking it popped into my head. Why are these people so close to each other? They need to be two meters apart. And then I realized, oh, it was filmed before lockdown. So it's fine. But I was I found it fascinating that that thought had popped into my head. And I was thinking, is that what we're going to be thinking after lockdown? Is it is it always just going to be engraved in our memory now that we need to stay two meters apart or that we need to keep our distance and wash our hands more and do all these different things that the government have told us to do. Oh, wow. That wow. was so content-rich. So many things there. So many so things. So many. And, of course, what he's talking about there is what we've all experienced, that we were watching um, The Brilliant Unorthodox. If you haven't seen it, guys, watch it. And um, series. And, and the girl borrows somebody else's lipstick and I felt my heart racing. Yeah. And I thought, my God, we're institutionalised. It's incredible how quick... What's the right, is that the right word? Not institutionalised. Well, we're kind of brainwashed. Well, not we're sort of brainwashed, but it's a, I, I think I'm in a state of shock and I think we must, we must cut us all of ourselves some slack here as adults or as teenagers, children, whatever, is how speedily... The requirements of what what are needed of us to to survive and live live in a different way. How quickly we've adopted them, well, because, or how quickly they've changed the makeup of but, our but, brains. But, but because the words there to survive. Yeah, that's why it's because we are in yeah. survival this mode. This is equivalent to and running across a, the savannah. That's how highly stressful, mm. as we know, fight or flight, adrenaline, cortisol, yeah. all these things, very tough on us and therefore tough on our kids. I mean, he's not missing anything there. If any, you know, I mean, he's, yeah. I mean, even when he says, I don't think he even realised what he said, you know, we, he said, we won't be as materialistic. We'll appreciate more things like a FaceTime or a Zoom. Yes. He, he, he's, it, that's in his head. He didn't even say seeing somebody or no, touching somebody. No. That's so ingrained no, now. Absolutely. Well, I mean, we've been discussing even the idea with like Izzy of having a sort of, you know, a Zoom or FaceTime dinner. dinner. Um, I mean, I do wonder to what extent real social situations, do excuse my stomach, I'm starving, uh, where, where social, real social situations or experiences are going to transfer to some kind of virtual experience. Or, I hate it. I hate it. It doesn't experience. work for me. Anybody that's saying, oh, this could become a thing, not for me. I, I hate the slightly blurred look. I yes. hate it. I hate yeah, it. Yeah, if you've got I'm, bad Wi-Fi. I miss just being right next to somebody, yeah. smelling somebody, seeing some, yeah. seeing the twist of an eye, the deep look in an eye. We yes. can't see that anymore. No, 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 no. And it's a two-dimensional is, image. Image, isn't it digital image yeah and how is that going to work for them that lack of socialization but he used a beautiful phrase he used the phrase the gift of socializing oh, which beautiful. i thought was you know and you're right he's not distinguishing necessarily in his mind between the gift of socializing together in person in a yeah. place for, for him perhaps you know for teenagers the, the view is that that socializing is going to completely transfer over to a digital kind of uh, transaction or interaction. Made me um, really sad, actually. Made me 
therefore quite emotional when he said about going out to lunch mm. because the last sort of big meet up with Carlitos and our dear, dear friend Lisa and Kiki, the four of us, went out. We went to an exhibition at the National and then we went for lunch and we were supposed to be thought we'd be there for about an hour and a half. We put the yeah. table up and we sat there for three and a half yeah, hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just me and Lisa with our two kids and we talked and we talked and we talked. And it's like, when will that ever happen again? When yeah. will that happen yeah. again? Yeah. And I think somewhere in his head he was thinking of that when he said that, golly, yeah. Joss. I know it will happen again, honey, it will. I mean, here's a consideration there. You know, at what point there, there are boundaries between, you know, Maddie's worried about this with her boyfriend, Izzy's worried about it with her boyfriend. You know, Boundaries of affection. At what mm. point do you actually? At what point is affection the risk of infection? Oh, and, I like that. What yeah, point is affection the, the risk, risk of, of infection. infection? Exactly. And and you know that boundary line when you've been from separate households. Yeah. I think there's going to be an electricity of worry, fear, anticipation. Is there going to be a moment where okay, forget whether people actually do it privately, whether they do hug each other and all that. They they decide to take the risks into their own hands. I think but I think there's going to be an intensity. Um you could look at this as a half full thing where there's going to be a sort of shared fuck it. There's going to be a sort of shared there, sense of fuck it. There will be. You know, because humans have to touch other absolutely. humans. Absolutely. But then what comes with that is huge responsibility. Because I think the other thing that... So he was talking about affection, but he was also talking about the vulnerabilities to family. Because don't forget, for most teenagers and kids, you know, uh, really, you know, loosening the lockdown means going back into their social world, schools, etc. I think we can't underplay the idea that we have... There are as many thoughtful teenagers and kids as mm. there are non-thoughtful. And I think if you feel that your child has gone back into your community, so school, and you have vulnerable members of your family and someone gets ill, there could be an immense level of responsibility. I think that's Yesterday, something you can't some, ignore. Somebody texted me and said, you know, you've got to listen to all the professionals say that it's very important for kids to go back to school. It's The risk is tiny for them. And I came back and said, the risk of their parents dying isn't yes, tiny isn't tiny exactly and for, for, for children with parents with underlying health conditions Absolutely. how's that going to work and for children with parents who don't know they have underlying i mean this is one of the biggest gray areas in the whole crisis that worries me the most is the extent to which in the reported deaths when they say underlying health conditions how many of those underlying health conditions were known prior to death because or prior to being you know admitted to icu or how many of them were discovered upon contraction of the disease. That is a really important statistic that no one is even talking about because within that statistic will be a sense of knowing what the underlying health of the country is. And I think that, to be honest, I think that's possibly why the UK is suffering more than other parts of Europe is that our diet is profoundly worse. That even, you know, the reason we're sort of striding away from Italy's figures is that the Mediterranean diet is widely considered to be, I mean, you know about all this, is widely considered to be much healthier. And I do worry that for British schools, kids going back to school, knowing the diet of this nation, knowing that, okay, yes, there's those people with diagnosed issues, but there are as many people with undiagnosed underlying conditions. I think the responsibility of, of some teenagers, and I think he really, Kalitos really articulated this, is, you know, there's going to be a real sense of vulnerability of coming back to your family, being picked up by your grandparents. I mean, the vast majority of kids are picked up by their grandparents. Mm. You know, shared caring. Mm. And I think we we mustn't forget that some teenagers and some children will hold that responsibility and fear very much, you know, mm. in their hearts and in their will. minds. And it's not something we can, we can ignore. Finally, before we move on to Maddie, 
his discussion of the incidental details of shopping. I mean, I've been in the shops far more than you. It's a completely different world out there already. We are looking at perspex windows. We're looking at shielding. We're looking at spaces. We're looking at an absolute inability to be sort of, what's the word, sort of impulsive or in any way, you know, just kicking your leg out or stretching your arms or what do you do? You utterly know, controlled. Utterly controlled. Utterly controlled. Utterly controlled. No wild abandon anymore. No, no. I mean, when I think of myself oh, as a sorry. younger person, I think of wild abandon. Yeah. I mean, Hurling maybe not in the around. aisles of Little. But and Maddie, yeah. Maddie had wild abandon. Maddie has a wild oh, abandon. She, she is. She's yeah, a she wild abandon back. kid, yeah, yeah, isn't yeah. she? She hugs a lot. She kisses a lot. Yeah. And this generation actually are far more uh, physical than yeah. our than ours. Everybody yeah. hugs and kisses in a way that we didn't. When we, they hold hands, friends hold hands. We didn't. We weren't like that my, when I was growing up. Yeah. So it must be very scary for them to see all these these perspects. Somebody messaged me yesterday actually and said she saw a photograph of some school somewhere where. Um, each child is in the playground with a marked out square that they play in play the middle in. of. They play in it. I mean, how sad is that? On their own. On their own. I mean, it's I not just... allowed to be two metres. I know, no. but... How is that going to work? How is that actually going to work? However many times we ask that, there's no gonna, not going to be an answer, is there? Okay, let's listen for our eldest. Have we got any tissues, just in case I go? <laughs> okay. Um, so one of my big worries, I think, for um, life after lockdown is that um well one of my worries is that people won't that you know the world won't learn um from any mistakes after this i i really hope that the whole lockdown you know people staying in not really being able to do certain things will teach them that well teach people how much we take for granted like i've definitely realized how much i took for granted before um lockdown and me and all my friends have said, you know, when lockdown's over, we're, like, never going to be ungrateful again. Um, so I hope that it makes people more, like... Yeah, yeah, I mean, it just gives people more gratitude and just, like... You know, I hope the world doesn't, you know, jump back too soon. Like, I think it's really... You know, this has been really good for climate change as well. And I just hope that, you know, we don't fully jump into the the way we were living before and that we make sure that this something good came out of lockdown as well and then it's like good things can come out of it afterwards and that we'll learn from mistakes that we've been making before um and i think uh, yeah also um me and my friends worry that when lockdown ends and we all can go back to seeing each other that we're going to be really socially awkward and i feel like because we've been in lockdown for so long and possibly going to be in it for a lot longer, um, people are just kind of going to be scared into wanting to go, like, feel a bit weird going out. I mean, even when we've, like, as a family, gone out to the park just for a walk and stuff, it just it feels really weird going outside. And I feel like, you know, even when lockdown's finished, uh, people are going to feel weird doing the stuff that they used to normally do. Um, and one of my worries is that I'll kind of, like, yeah, get into the mindset that, like, not want to leave the house because I've I've been so used to being in it that it would be weird leaving it. Like, I don't want to end up being like that <laughs> because I want when this fit ends to just, like, go out and do everything that I haven't been able to be doing. 
but I worry that because everybody's, you know, getting so... Everybody's so scared and, like, OCD about, you know, what we touch, what, that we clean our hands after we've touched something once we've been somewhere, that people aren't going to be able to get out of that mindset. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I feel like my hopes and my worries and my fears are all kind of the same thing. It's all that I, I worry and I hope and I fear um, that we won't learn from this. I, I don't want it, to, you know, life to go completely back to normal um, when this is all over. And I, I was kind of thinking that lockdown was going to make parents maybe or the, the government realise that the system and, and schools aren't everything, that there's a life beyond education. <laughs> but I don't, I don't feel like that's really going to happen because they're trying to get schools back as soon as possible, which I think is a shame. Um, but, yeah, I, I hope that, like, humanity become better people <laughs> after this and that it's not really chaotic and... Because I, I, I kind of worry that it will go a bit too crazy outside um, and there will just be, like, other problems other than coronavirus that will start to happen. Um, but I feel like a lot of people have realised how much they took for granted before and there's a lot more gratitude now and kindness, I hope. Um, so, yeah, I just think I hope... I, I think my main hope is that everybody has learned something from this lockdown so that we can make something good come out of something bad. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. you want to give her a big hug. I, I find it really interesting what she said. I think, I mean, yeah. obviously I don't think she was saying she was anti-education, but I think she's, what she says raises a really interesting topic and it's a topic that I saw the programme you, you work on, Loose Women, discuss, which is the idea of you know, do we necessarily need exams? And I was really, really pleased to say, I mean, I don't know what the, the, the judgment was on your show, but I was really pleased to see a mainstream show like that even asking the question. Because I do think this this whole crisis asks so much more of us than just let's get timetables back in place. I mean, I think it shows a, a demonstrable lack of imagination if the only thing culturally we're interested in is reinstalling as much as we can of the old ways back onto a new mm. a new life. Mm. I think mm. if that's what we end up doing, yeah. it's going to be an absolutely lost opportunity for us all to actually not stop learning or stop doing things. But I do think we need to question and challenge potentially some of the things that we've done for years on end. Because, mm. you know, as a crisis like this proves, so many things are just mere set dressing. And so many things are so unnecessary and sort of hollow and vacuous. And I, I get what she's saying. She doesn't, you know, I'm really I, proud I, of her. I'm very that, proud of that, her. That, that, that she's her... thinking about the wider world. Yeah. Because I think that, yeah, I'm really proud of her because I think a lot of us are just thinking about our own selves and how we're going to get back to what we want and how we're going to get all the things that we want. And, that's you know, that's, 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 yeah, I mean, that that's, that's one of my big fears as well, that if we come out of this without having learned anything, it's like we've said a lot, haven't we? Who are we going to be the other side of this? Yeah. 
who are we going to be? We have to stop wanting so much choice. We have to stop wanting so many things. The global economy doesn't work because it's all about working people half to death and making them think that they need things that they shit they don't need. You know, spend, 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 work, 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 spend, spend, spend. So I'm I'm really really glad that that's what she's saying. But of course, as a mum, the thing that I heard so keenly and so loudly, like it was screaming in my ears, was the very thing I'd just been talking about. Yeah. The OCD and the agoraphobia. And there it is. There's the seed. There it is. It's in our girl's head. And she's worried about whether she's going to feel okay going out. And she's worried about how much we have to clean everything. She's worried about getting OCD. Yeah. (sighs) What do we do about that? I know, and I mean, if I'm what honest, when I when do? I think about I what you, but also what you, what, and also what do you say to your kids? Because I mean, she's talking about how we're all, you, you know, one thing we are hearing for certain is that we're going to have to live with this. It's like, how can we now suddenly? How can we have created in what seems like one moment somewhere, whether it be a bat or a laboratory or whatever the bloody origin of this is? How can it have just happened in a moment that something so life changing for everyone? is a fact of life forever and and a day again you know i mean i suppose i keep clinging to the hope or the belief or the thought that maybe it will fade away or maybe it will burn out well it out. might i yeah. mean the thing is these viruses do and but it if might it, if it does... and we might get a vaccine so that's what we have to focus on we will get through this but can... we will but i but my concern as a parent is already things this is impacted on the on the way that our children are going to be, there is something yeah. new going on in their brains. Yeah. That OCD, that agoraphobia, we have to be cer- uh, to a degree OCD because we're protecting their lives. Mm. But outside of this, because we will come through the other side of this, how the hell are we going to unravel what we've had to, what we've had to, you know? push into their brains to keep them safe well, let me float the thought I'm past you let me really let me worried. ask you what in the final minutes of, of this chat um would you do you at times find yourself veering towards um if do you find yourself veering towards the potential solution that we have to shield the elderly and the vulnerable completely mm. and just let everyone else go about their business i, I worry that that's where we're going to get to i worry that the need to build the economy, and there is a need to build the economy because we can't survive. I mean, I'm not one of these, oh, all they care is about the economy. You can't separate humanity and the economy. It's about balance. You can't. It's about getting balance. Um, I, I worry that if we don't have a vaccine, that's where we're going to get to. And in which that case, people, that, vulnerable people, and elderly will just have to stay in for the rest of their blooming lives. But on a realistic level, that means there'll be no physical contact between our girls and their, their grandparents. Between the generations. Again. Yeah. I mean, I think the girls are will be very, very scared anyway. Because of the responsibility. The that, that's yeah. what I mean. I go back yeah. to this thought yeah. that actually... so it's Because we've app- said to them over and over again, yeah, protect yeah, yeah. your elderly, protect... They looked after you, yeah. all those images of cute little old ladies and cute, you know, it's up to you. Yes. Stay in, stay in, stay in. We needed the message to work, and my God, it has. Yeah. How are we going to unravel it? Well, yeah, because, I mean, in a weird sense, our age group, so, you know, 40s, 30-something, 40-something, 50-something, if you're a parent of a teenager, we can say, we'll take the risk. We're going to hug our children, you can hug us, and we take the risk. 
Okay, it doesn't, obviously we know that there are not many, but there are occasions where people with underlying health conditions of our age get very ill and die. But we, as we get older, are going to become closer and closer to the vulnerable age. It's like, for example, Nanny Die is 69. And she keeps saying, this is really odd watching all of this happening around this notional idea of 70, you know, that she then becomes a sort of vulnerable person and then has to sort of observe a different kind of lockdown mm-hmm. to a 69-year-old. But then I'm thinking about the kids and then I'm thinking about your mum and dad and what age they are. Then I'm thinking about the quality of life for the next three or four years. The responsibility, it's all well and good saying, well, yes, we're just going to have to get... But, but those children, none of our children mm-hmm. are going to want to feel like they were the loaded mm-hmm. gun that exactly. killed their grandparents. Exactly, exactly. And I don't it's know how that can resolve terrifying. itself. I don't. No. I literally don't know how that can resolve itself. And I just wonder whether what the government... I mean, I do think at times that the way they're going about it, and I think a lot of parents feel this about the talk of primary school kids going back to school. I've seen it a lot across our social media. Is they People are using the term, they're using the children because they're the safest group, mm. the youngest, um, as guinea pigs. Guinea pigs to see what happens to the virus with that kind of social mobility mm. happening again. Um, and, I, you know, on the one hand, you know, I can kind of understand that. I can under kind of understand needing to kind of get that thing gyrating and moving around. But then I do think that we forget that there's going to be an enormous burden on all of us, even if life becomes normal, normal again. Uh, because of the elderly in our, in, in our in our in our culture and in our you know in our communities, I, I don't know. I just I, I, I suppose I'm really really worried. I share the same concerns that Maddie has that we will go back to this voracious consumption, a desire to get. It's like we want to do this. We want sort of willful sort of am, am, what was it amnesia where you just want to kind of forget it and you just go, oh okay, thank God that awful thing was over. Let's just get back to our holidays. Let's just get back to and our. Then we're back to tra- the worry of. And this is from a teenager's point of view. They're all going back to the worry if they do that. We're back to the other worry that we had before coronavirus, which is will there be a planet in 10 years because of global warming? So the poor kids, poor, poor kids. So it's one thing. It's like that. And then there is a real fear with fear of that. There has to, something yeah. positive has to change. Has and, to. But it's amazing that these teenagers are kind of seeing this. It's oh, amazing that they're kind of generation. picking up on the fact that this is an opportunity. Yeah. This Please is don't also, call them the snowflake generation. Well, Please. the one thing they're not now is a snowflake generation. No. I think they're dealing with it incredibly bravely. Uh, and they're also really cleverly looking at it and going, things need to come out of this. Well, not all of them. Some of them are. Well, no, not all of them. But like, yeah. But I mean, you know, certainly the two we've just listened to now, they're, they're looking at it through the lens of what what can we learn? How can we change? How can we how be can the better? Yeah. They both use the word kind. How can we be kinder? Yeah. I mean, good on the, you, kids. Yeah, good on you, kids. The, the planet has thrown us a curveball. It's the most unlikely curveball, isn't it, that this has grounded flights, prevented uh, use of car, you know, petrol, slowed down consumption. I mean... And yet, and yet, this is what worries me. The, the global economy requires that activity to mm. stay as affluent as it is. Mm. And that's a whole different ballgame. Mm. How poverty, loss of jobs and all that kind of stuff, that other side of things is going to impact on our kids' futures because we've taught them that, you know, go through school, go to university. The, there are these jobs. There is this economy. There is this sort of, you know, this this we, this machine that's ploughing forward that you can become a vital part of. So the machine wrong. goes, stops. Mm. What now? Oh, well. 
There you go, guys. We were sort of up, down, up, down, up, down. Which is what life is like for every single person across the globe at the minute. Absolutely. Yeah. that's it for this episode of confessions of a modern parent if you'd like to comment on any of the topics we've discussed today we'd love you to get in touch use the hashtag confessions of a modern parent if you want to find me on twitter it's at nadia sawala and on instagram it's at nadia sawala and family and if you fancy getting in touch with me it's at mark underscore adderley thank you so much for listening if you like the show please subscribe rate and review tell your friends and get involved and you can hear more episodes of confessions of a modern parent on Global Player or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye. Ta-da! <laughs>